I was a terrible landlord when I started. I had no idea what I was doing. Created all kinds of problems for myself. And years and years of, of this stress of being a terrible landlord and just approaching things the wrong way, I don't know where it came to me, but I had this idea, like, what if I just created a property management company and did everything through that? And it changed everything overnight. It made everything more professional. It was easier. It just, it made the whole property management thing much more simple. And so anyway. You're listening to The Grounded Investor Show, where we talk about all things real estate investing in Idaho, hearing from men and women on the ground who are doing the work. Welcome to The Grounded Investor Show. Your host, Corey. Hello. Michael. Hello. So today, Michael, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. So uh, today we have a show, or our show is uh, with Corby, Corby Goad. And he is an investor out here in Boise, Idaho. Um, he recently also obtained his realtor's license, I want to say two years ago, but he has a pretty interesting operation. I want to say he started investing 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago. Bought his first house, it was like a, a house hack and kind of started from there and learned some things, built it all up, kept it as a rental. And then he started doing some property management for some time with that. And what he noticed through his time is he could not only make money from, you know, doing his own deals, but then he started doing property management for other people. <laughs> and then after that, he even started thinking, well, I can help other investors um, by finding them deals here in Boise because it's a hot market and then do some more deals by parting with them. So his business is really interesting and he kind of goes in detail about just relationships and how important that is as well. And yeah, no, I loved, uh, I can almost just tell, like he says, he loves real estate and loves working real estate and just how much fun it is. You can just tell he has a really good time uh, helping people, helping investors. So I think you guys will really enjoy the episode today. Yeah. Let's hop on the show. Welcome to the show. And it's, I always want to make sure I'm saying it right. Corby, right? That's nothing correct. special, nothing crazy. It's Corby Goad. That's it. You got it. <clears throat> Nailed it. <laughs> Get some. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Corby. Thank you. My my pleasure. I appreciate you guys inviting me on. Awesome. So we got here today, Corey and uh, myself, Michael, we're both the co-hosts. Hey. So we like to we like to party a little bit. No, we don't. Actually, yeah, we do. That's a lie. We do definitely like to party. But we're going to get inside and uh, just want to ask the question. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Corby. All right. I am a Boise native. Uh, I actually live less than a mile from the high school that I went to. So I have not gone very far, at least geographically. But uh, I grew up in Boise and uh, I'm 43 years old. I went to Boise State University. My wife is a Boise native and we we love to travel. We get around a lot. But as you guys know, there's not really a better place to live. And so we yeah. have Lots of places that are great for a weekend or a week, but we love it here and don't have any plans to, to leave. Um, yeah, I, it's a great place. And, and I've, I've been here for a long time and I plan on being here. Very nice. Very nice. So how did you, what brought you to where you are today to get in this lifestyle of investing here in Boise? Tell us uh, like, what, what was your first deal that you got into and, and uh, how that kind of started? Well, my, my first deal was kind of an accidental house hack. And this was, man, 20 years ago. I, I had no idea what a house hack was. Um, <laughs> there was no such thing as bigger pockets. Uh, it's funny. I, I was always interested in the idea of buying real estate, but I didn't know anybody who did. I don't know why that kind of was planted in the back of my head, but it's just something that always interested me. I, I didn't know how 
to do a thing. I didn't know how lights worked. I didn't know how to install a tile floor, uh, nothing. I just for some reason, I, I thought it sounded like an interesting thing. Anyway, <laughs> when I was in college, uh, I, I was working full time in college and, and paying my own tuition and kind of making my way. And uh, my girlfriend at the time, who, who's now my wife, um, she, she had inherited a little chunk of change. And, and the intention behind this money was for her to, to buy a house, use it as a down payment for a house. And so she bought herself a house. And so I wasn't going to have that. I wasn't going to just sit there and let her have a house. And I'm, I'm renting some little dinky apartments. So I was like, well, I'm getting a house too. Uh, I'm going to buy a house too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so uh, I, I, uh, I scraped together enough for a teeny little FHA down payment. And at the time, I, I, I had no idea what an FHA loan was. And to be honest with you, after I even bought the house, I didn't know I had an FHA loan. I just got a loan that was a teeny down payment. And that's how much money I had. Yeah. So, how much uh, was the house? The house was about $105,000. Oh, wow. I was just on the MLS. Yeah. And, uh, and for the record, I'm sure we'll get into it later, but basically every investment that I bought has been off the MLS. There's been a couple of exceptions, but, um, but that house was on the MLS. Uh, so I think my down payment was like three or $4,000, something like that. And it was a perfectly fine livable house with good bones. It just was old and ugly. It was built in 77, I think. And it had original flooring, original paint, original kitchen, everything. Hmm. And so uh, I got in there and just kind of saved, I'd save up a couple hundred bucks there and go to Home Depot and see if they had tile on clearance. And I'd buy a couple hundred feet of tile. And so I did the kitchen floor and then save up a little more money. And then I, I, uh, I found some really cheap laminate flooring, like this first generation laminate flooring from 20 years ago, which by the way, is still in the house. I probably should replace it soon, but it's held up pretty well considering. Uh, but so I, I just kind of fumbled through this stuff. And um, I had I had friends that were contractors. And so when I needed help with uh, putting in a, a light, I had no idea how to wire a light fixture. So I, I would call my buddy who's an electrician, or sometimes I just called a handyman and said, Hey, can I pay you for an hour to come over and do this for me and teach me what you're doing while you would do it? And, and I never had anybody say no. So I would just ask contractors if I could shadow them when they came over if it was something that i had no idea how to do which was basically everything yeah um but working on the house i lived there for uh i think about two years my wife and i got engaged and uh we started shopping for a house that we were going to live in together and you guys are both still having these other two houses yeah yeah so we each had these houses and she put her house on the market and, and she was like hey when are you putting your house on the market and Honestly, I don't know what got into me or why I even thought this was possible, but I just said, I think I'm just going to keep it and rent it out. And she said, no, you're not. And I said, yes, I am. <laughs> we kind of went back and forth and we, we came up with this agreement basically that uh, we, that I could keep the house because it was in my name, the mortgage is my name, the deed was in my name, uh, as long as it didn't interfere with our relationship. And so we kind of had this handshake agreement that it wasn't going to take time away from us, that it wasn't going to take money out of our, our pockets. And uh, we moved forward. And so we did that. And none of those things actually happened. It did take a lot of time and energy. And it <laughs> um, but the short version of the story is, is after a couple of years, we kind of went back and looked at it. And even though it had taken time and energy and we made all the mistakes that a new investor would make. I mean, yeah. I was managing it myself. Uh, I, I didn't have any contractors doing work. I was going over and doing all the work myself. I was a terrible landlord. Terrible. But... Mm. 
over the course of this couple of years, we still made some money. I mean, there was times where like we'd have to shell out a few hundred bucks for repair here and there, but the market appreciated. We paid down our loan. Uh, our tenant was more or less paying the mortgage. And after a couple of years, like it, it paid off. We, we had a little teeny nest egg there and we both had just graduated from college and we were teachers making nothing. I think the starting teacher wage back then was like $23,000 a year. And just by sitting on this house for a couple of years, it had appreciated by like $25,000. <laughs> and it blew our minds that we basically had an entire year's salary that we, we just had kind of sat over there without a ton of extra effort. And uh, so that's kind of, that was kind of how I got my start. And that's where I got the, the bug to kind of really do more. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And then, so coming forward to today. Yeah. What does today look like? Uh, well, today, um, today I, I, I work full-time in real estate. Um, I, I, I've kind of skipped through some of the, the growing pains that I had in the middle there, but a few years ago, my wife and I sat down and just looked at our finances and I had a job that I didn't love. Um, we just started having kids and, and our first kid, uh, our son was born and he had a heart defect and, we didn't want to take him to daycare. She didn't want to leave him at home with a nanny or a stranger. She was concerned about his health for, for uh, obvious reasons. And so yeah. we were just kind of looking at, at our finances one day and we realized that we had, we were making enough passive income from our rents that it would more than replace the salary that I was making. And so if, if we were to live relatively lean, we could still, we wouldn't have to worry about paying our mortgage or food. Um, and just kind of go all in and see what happened that we would probably be a lot happier. We'd have more free time and, uh, we could be doing something that we loved. And so we did it and it's been fantastic. Wow. How long ago was that? Um, that was about two and a half years ago. Oh, okay. Not terribly That's long. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And then what is, uh, so what does it kind of look like now? Your everyday business working with investors, are you mostly investing for yourself? How is your business kind of formed currently? Uh, well, it, it's interesting. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background on how I kind of came to, to where I am. Um, I had, like a lot of investors, I think, I had gone through a bunch of realtors. I had bought properties here and there um, as I'd learned to leverage. And I, I still, I mean, I still wasn't making great money, but I had learned how to build equity in properties and then move that equity around. And just through trial and error, I got to the point where I figured out how I could buy some properties without having to save up a huge down payment every time I wanted to buy something. And so um, anyhow, we, we had started a property management company and I would advise any investor that has, if you have one property that you are renting out, you should start a property management company. You should be a property manager, especially in Idaho for a couple of reasons. One, property management is not regulated in Idaho. So the good thing about that is that if you want to take really great care of your properties, you could go down to the secretary of state pay hundred bucks to be an LLC and be a property, a, a legal functioning property manager tomorrow. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so the, the upside to that is that it creates this veil between you and your tenants. And I, I learned this the hard way. Michael and I have talked about this off offline that, yeah. that I was a terrible landlord when I started, I had no idea what I was doing, created all kinds of problems for myself and years and years of, of this, stress of being a terrible landlord and just approaching things the wrong way. I don't know where it came to me, but I had this idea, like, what if I just created a property management company and did everything through that? And it changed everything overnight. Uh, mm. It made everything more professional. It was easier. 
Uh, it just, it made the whole property management thing much more simple. And so anyway, uh, the reason I'm telling you this part of the story is when my son was born and my wife quit her job to stay home with him, she just said, well, I'll just kind of take over the property management side of things because I want to be able to contribute still. And, you know, baby sleep 18 hours a day when he's first born. She said she still had a lot of downtime, even though you know, awake, it's intense. She still had time. So she was like, I want to contribute. So I'll, I'll run this property management thing. She's so much smarter than me. I, and so she immediately made the everything more professional and started creating these processes. And she built a website for us and all that. And it was just for our properties at the time. But because property management is unregulated in Idaho, there are a ton of terrible property managers out there. Mm. Um, and so because of that, you get calls from investors as a property manager all the time. They're looking for a decent property manager because they signed up with somebody else who has no experience. They have no tools and they're, they're just not doing a good job. And so we get calls from investors who are working with these terrible property managers all the time. And so we were getting, we weren't even trying, but we were getting these lead calls and I didn't even realize at the time, but she started taking on these properties through property management kind of building up the property management company a little bit. Wow. And as that was growing, we, she started getting people saying, Hey, I, I want to do a 1031 on that property you're managing for me. Who can help me with that? Or she'd get people who were calling from out of state and say, I'm about to buy a about to buy a, a property in Boise. I've got everything lined up, but I don't have a realtor and I don't have a property manager yet. I, just, I know what I want. I'm ready to go. Can you be my property manager? And we had all these opportunities dropping in our laps and we had about 15 years experience investing on our own, uh, managing properties on our own, learning how to leverage and doing all those sorts of things. And it just became abundantly clear that this opportunity had manifested in front of us and it was yeah. it was the time for us to just jump and take advantage of it and so that's how we got to the point where we developed this boise turnkey business and concept that we have is that through that property management thing and the opportunities that we had we we found that there were a lot of investors who needed someone to help them through the entire process either because they didn't have any experience or they wanted to invest in remotely because our market has been so fantastic and in either one of those situations those people, a lot of times, they don't know a heck of a lot about the different types of loans that are available to them or how to leverage or what types of returns they might get, what vacancy looks like in our market, all these little things. And we had all the tools all in one spot. And so we jumped in and we started doing that. And I've been really fortunate in that it's it's worked out really well. Um, Hence the name Boise Turnkey. Right. Yeah. So Let's go. A turnkey solution. If yeah. someone wants to invest in Boise, they can call us. And we can take care of every part of the process for them. And we kind of pride ourselves in that our clients can be <clears throat> as passive or as active in the process as they want. I have some clients that I've never met face to face that have never been here, that have never seen the properties they bought. And I have other clients that, uh, that get a property under contract. They fly in and they show up at my house. I hand them my toolbox and we drive over there and, and hang blinds together or patch drywall. And so, wow. However, a, a client wants to be involved, there's room for them in, in the way that we have things structured. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So that in like, in essence, I'm going to say is like the company that you're most focused on and kind of doing a lot more volume is through your Boise turnkey solutions. Yeah. Uh, it, it's ironic because, um, I got into this because I was investing and I wanted to invest more. And I thought that I thought that I'd be making more income through doing investment deals for myself. But the ironic thing is, is there's so many opportunities to help other people doing it that yeah. 
I'm actually making a really good living just helping other investors. And that's kicked open all these other opportunities for that's me and my awesome. family too. Like I, I see deals that I never would have seen before because I'm moving in these circles now. And I have yeah. connections with other investors and, and you guys who are out there connecting with other people. And Boise is a small market. And so there's a lot of investors here that work together. And, and I found that that this this community, we have investors who work together and share resources and deals. Everyone seems to thrive. And the handful of people who who want to kind of hoard their deals or hoard <laughs> their resources, they struggle. Yeah. They struggle. And it, it's really true that mindset of abundance and sharing what you have and what you know with other people, it creates abundance and it creates opportunity. And I, I've experienced that firsthand. It's really been fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. We were just talking about that this morning, just that very concept. Yeah. Yeah, we were um, uh, obviously Corey. You weren't there, um, but <laughs> we had a just quick or, or email chat with uh, Corby, and we're talking about. I mean, from my experience working in the fire service, and I mean, just remember the whole application process of um, when trying to get hired, and like you always, there's only like you know so competitive. You always had like maybe ten spots open, eight thousand people you know would apply, and but the people who would who would more than likely get selected for the job were the ones who were looking side to side and be like, these are my brothers and sisters and I need to help them achieve their goal as well. So they would give them tips and tricks and be like, yeah, they'll, oh, this is what they scored in the test. Like this is the kind of stuff that's on it. You're going to need to do this, this, and this, and this. Or they'd be like doing their physical test. Come on, come on, let's go, let's go. They'd be running back, you know, to help the other people behind them. Um, but, but you see the ones who would be like hoarding information or, or not going back to help. They just kind of be focused on their own little world. Like those are the ones that are noticed that not to do so well. Um, and more than likely are not going to get set up um, with that job and just goes to show like I think it plays the same within the real estate within real estate realm um, really just in life you know it's like if you're providing more value and helping people along the way all around you like people are going to be looking to you to solve more problems or solve more deals and that's I mean it's great for business and it's great for relationships yeah I, I find that absolutely to be true. I, I have some clients that I've been working with that were novice investors with no experience a year or two ago that have either better, more extensive resources than me, or uh, they're smarter than me or whatever the case may be. And um, when we first started talking, I, I was the expert because I, I had some experience. And some of those clients have just gone nuts and had fantastic success. And and in some situations, they brought me along for the ride. I've had some of those that have dug up these amazing deals and they've, awesome. they've offered a piece of it to me or asked me if, if I could bring one of my clients in or if there, was a, there might be a piece of that deal that they need help completing. And so I, I typically have a client that can jump in and help them with that or I might personally be able to do that. And if I were, if I were hoarding information or feeling like deals are limited or resources are limited, I, I never would have had that type of relationship with them in the first place. And they'd be off doing great. And I'd be sitting here gnashing my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Corby, you said, you mentioned just how important like networking has been for you and how you've been, you know, able to kind of network with the investor community out here. And um, I've heard many times from people from out of state, just how awesome the local community is here and how everyone wants to help each other. And, they go to meetups and they share information and, you know, are much more willing to share what they've learned over the years. Mm -hmm. How did you kind of get to know those guys? Um, you haven't been in the business too long, but 
Um, how have you been able to kind of get your foot in the door and, and really network with all those uh, individuals in the area? Uh, well, for the record, there, there's still a lot of investors out here doing really great business that I, I still need to network with and still need to get to know. But um, it, it's really pretty simple. I didn't do anything that anybody couldn't do. There are a handful of real estate meetups here, and I used to attend them pretty regularly. Um, I wish I could get out there more now, but I I, uh, I used to go constantly. There's uh, in Boise, there is uh, there's a sort of a, a bigger pockets meetup that John Weber, another realtor here, uh, holds, and there are a ton of of great people that go to those. Everyone from first time at the meeting, never invested before, to there's wholesalers that go, there's flippers, buy and hold people, there are private money lenders that show up, and um, she does a really great job of, of not making it about anything other than just getting people to connect. And so there's a lot of time for people just to socialize and she goes around and introduces people. And that, that's a really great local meetup. Um, there's another group here called the Boise Investors Group that I used to go to quite a bit. And that was a, a more structured kind of educational one. And they have like a membership that you can join and they offer some perks, but they bring in a different speaker from a different uh, a different part of the business to present every week. And so they spend the first, or every month, excuse me. So they spend the first half an hour or so with a presentation and some question and answer. And then they give people an opportunity to go around the table and talk about deals or resources they have available right at the moment. And then they do kind of like a little social thing at the end where everybody can walk around and, and just chit chat. And so that's a really good one too. Um, there are a handful of other meetings. I know that there's two or three wholesaler meetings that happen uh, weekly around here that I've honestly not, not even been a part of, but a lot of those people in those groups are super successful and and uh, I've crossed paths with a lot of them. Um, and, and I'm not really an outgoing social type of person. And so if I can get to those meetings and, and meet people and, and make some connections, I'm sure that anybody listening to this podcast could do exactly the same. And there are unlimited resources out there. And if you, if you have one piece that you could add to the puzzle. And it's so true that if, if you have something that you can offer somebody of value, it doesn't have to be money or experience. You could have time or energy or just willingness to jump in and do something. There's always room. I mean, I, I have deals that I, I could use help on versus somebody that has more time and energy than I do that could certainly jump in and, and learn a lot and benefit and, and, uh, there's always opportunity. You don't have to have a pile of cash to jump in. Great. Yeah, now it's time to get into our underground section of the podcast. Time to get underground. Pretty much where we go here is we want to find a unique deal uh, of one of yours that you want to mention about. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we'll ask what kind of deal it is, how'd you find it, how'd you fund it, how long did it take to accomplish, and what was the result? So let's take it away. All right. One of the better deals that I personally done recently is I bought a single family house last summer, kind of near, uh, I guess for the locals, it's near like a Willow Lane softball complex. So in Boise, it's, it's this little pocket that has traditionally been a pretty rough area, but there's a big city park there. It's very close to the river, close to the Boise Greenbelt, which is desirable. And there's a lot of infill going there. There's a lot of people going in and, and tearing down old houses and building really nice higher end homes. Um, and then the houses that are salvageable are being cleaned up and, and fixed up. Ironically, one of the, the new clients, one of the clients I started working with uh, about a year and a half ago that they had no experience. There was just kind of a go-getter. 
we've done several deals together, but he, one of the methods that he uses that uh, I would recommend to a lot of your, your listeners that are trying to get into it or to find themselves a deal. He just cold calls property managers and asks them if they have clients that have distressed properties that they want to get rid of. And especially some of the bigger property managers uh, that I guess there's kind of a balance. The bigger ones are a little bit more corporate and you might just be talking to a receptionist, but um, some of the mid-sized ones, they have big portfolios. They have personal relationships with a lot of their clients. And a lot of times they'll know if there's a property that that client is looking to sell. And so anyhow, he called a property manager here in town. Uh, and, and that guy told him that, yeah, he did have a client that had this property that he wanted to, to sell and was probably going to put it on the market in a couple of weeks. They needed some cleanup. And so he, uh, he, uh, called me up and asked me about the neighborhood and the house. And so I, I kind of filled him in on, on what I thought about that area. And he was like, yeah, it doesn't really sound like a deal for me, but if you're interested, you can jump on it. And it, it was, it was exactly the type of property that I like to buy. It was, it was, had good bones, but it was old and ugly and no one had loved it for a while. And uh, so anyhow, it, it turns out that I, I know this property manager who was, he, he was talking about. So we talked oh, nice. about this house for a couple of days and he decided it wasn't for him. And he was like, well, you can call this guy. And he gave me his name and phone number. And I was like, oh, that's, yeah, he's a buddy of mine. I see him all the time. <laughs> so he, he, I mean, I, I very, I very easily could have made that same call, but it didn't even cross my mind to, to call yeah. other property managers. So anyway, I called the guy. Um, and he grabbed his, his client and we negotiated a deal and uh, I bought it. And so I funded that the same way that I like to fund all my deals. And that's just using a HELOC. Mm. So what I like to do is I, I like to use a HELOC to buy a property with cash. And then I go in and do whatever fix up or clean up I can. And my goal is to... Real is quick, to, for, yes. uh, for those who don't know what a HELOC is for our listeners, might want to explain that a, oh. a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so HELOC is just an acronym. It stands for Home Equity Line of Credit. And um, a, a lot of people think that you can't get a line of credit on an investment property, but you can. There's not a lot of banks that do them, but you can. Um, so I, I'm just throwing that out there because I get that question a lot. That's good. <laughs> I have a couple of HELOCs that I, that I use. And so I use the HELOC. And when you're using a HELOC, you can make cash offers. That's considered cash. <laughs> and so I made a cash offer on this place. Um, do you want me to get into the specifics of the numbers? Yeah, come on, let's get underground. That's what the roots are. All right, all right. So, uh, if memory serves me, I think she wanted $200,000 for the place. It was 1,200 square feet, maybe just shy of 1,200 square feet, uh, three bedrooms, one bath. Okay. Um, and so I offered one, I think 197, and she just signed off on it and took it. So, uh, got the place for 197, and then I went in and did some cleanup. I had it uh, painted. I, Painted inside and out, I renovated the bathroom, did some basic cleanup in the kitchen, uh, put some new countertops in, uh, I put new carpet in the bedrooms, and I had the, I had a sprinkler system put in and had the yard hydro seated. I think I took a tree out, um, bought new appliances. So I think that's everything. So yeah. to do all of that stuff, um, we just did our taxes, so I'd have to go back and look, but it was about $15,000 to do that. So all in, I, I was about, um, what does that work out to be? About $212,000. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I built a little bit of equity into the property by doing that. And my guess at, at the time when I finished up, it probably would have appraised somewhere around $270,000, something like that. 
uh, and our market has, appra has appreciated since then. So I think it's worth a little bit more, but I'm actually, I'm doing a, a cash out refinance on it now to pay off the HELOC so I can repeat this process, the BRRRR, I'm sure a lot of people out there know, buy, uh, rehab, rent, uh, refinance and repeat. Or maybe yep. I got those last two backwards, but the BRRRR method. So that's basically what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I'm doing a cash out refinance right now. So I'll have an appraisal probably in a week or so on it um, to figure out exactly what it's worth. But I, I'm confident that it's worth enough that I can completely pay off the HELOC. So essentially, I, I don't have any money in the deal. Uh, it's going to cash flow about $400 a month. And I'll have all that, that line of credit, that cash back to just go and do it again the next time that I, I have the opportunity to do so. That's awesome. So yeah, and, and I guess I, I skipped one little bit. The, after we fixed it up, um, we got it rented out almost immediately for uh, $1,500. So it's a little three-bedroom, one-bath house. It's rented out for $1,500. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great little rental. I'm really happy with it. That's great. So how long was that whole process? I mean, it's only $15,000. So it seemed like it may have been a pretty quick one, but. Yeah, I think um, it took every every little rehab I do takes way longer than I hope it, it does for a couple of reasons. Oh, one, for one, a lot of times I'm doing rehabs for my clients. And so I, I always put, if I have my own project, I put it on the back burner and I make sure my client's projects get done. And during that time, I think we had five or six other renovations we were doing for clients throughout this period. And then we went on a long vacation towards the end. <laughs> Uh, and so uh, I think it took like 10 weeks to get all that done. Okay. But if, if this were my first property and I were just focusing on, I mean, it's, it's nothing that anybody could knock out just in a couple of weeks. So it, it wasn't anything major. It was a little bit of tile, some cleanup, some flooring paint and, and some yard work. I mean, one person and a couple of contractors could have easily knocked it out in a couple of weeks. I just, I, I didn't, I took my sweet time. Nice. <laughs> That's still <laughs> awesome though. That's really yeah, cool. yeah, it was a great deal. I'm I'm really happy that we grabbed that one, and I'm I'm lucky that I, I have people in my circle who share opportunities like that with me. Yeah, yeah, it's all about making those relationships. Yeah, mm. and so how many and rentals? I, oh, sorry, I was just going to say the the guy that the client of mine that that brought that deal to me. Um, we we've still done a bunch of stuff together since then, and so if on the the occasion since then that we've done some sort of project. I've just, I've given him a little bit sweeter cut on the deal because he's good to me. And so I want to be good to him. Yeah. Dang. So I was just going to say, how many rentals do you have now? Total. Um, not a ton, actually. I think we only have eight and half of those are duplexes. Um, but that's one of the things that, uh, when I, I was talking to Michael before, is that a lot of people think that you need to have 50 doors or 100 doors before you have financial freedom. And that's really market specific for one. But secondly, if, you, if you're patient, if you get a decent deal and not a grand slam deal, a lot of new investors are not going to get a grand slam deal. If you get an okay deal and you take care of the property and you take care of your tenant and your patient, it will turn into a grand slam five or 10 years later. And honestly, that's what every deal that I've done. That, that one I just told you is probably the best deal I've ever bought. Wow. And it's a pretty, it, it started out as a pretty good deal, but every other property I bought has more or less been on the MLS. And it's been something that I fixed up a little bit, got some tenants in there and took care of them. And I just waited and do systematic rent increases. The, the debt gets paid down. Uh, the property appreciates, the tenants take care of it, I take care of it. And you'll wake up five years later and, and have this 
fantastic asset sitting in your lap that you really didn't have to pay much attention to or work too hard for. Yeah. It's really an amazing thing. I'm not, I'm not the smartest person I know. I definitely don't have the most money or the best resources of anybody I know. It's just, it's a matter of just being willing to, to jump in and take care of people along the way and be patient. That's all you need to do. That's good. Yeah. All right. So we're going to go into the core four. Core. Four. Four. Four questions, if you wouldn't have guessed that. But what's one thing that keeps you focused? And what's kind of the reason for your success? Uh, what book are you most influenced by? And one piece of advice for our listeners. Okay. The one um, thing that keeps you focused. So what keeps me focused? This one's honestly really easy. I, I don't have great focus in my life. I'm not, I'm not like a really <laughs> like laser focused type of person, but yeah, I don't know why, but I think real estate is so much fun. I, I think it's a blast when people ask me to pull comps or analyze a deal for them. I don't look at it as like sitting down at my desk and running numbers, like digging up those comps and looking at the numbers and figuring out how much you're going to rent for and what a rehab budget might be. It, it's so much fun to me. It's so interesting. And I love learning about this market and learning about all the different opportunities are out there. And so it's easy for me to be focused just because I, I kind of stumbled into doing something that I, I just love. It's a blast to me. I, I don't ever feel like I'm working. I work 16 hour days a lot of times, but it, it's just, it's all fun to me. So it's yeah. easy to stay focused. Yeah. Wow. 16 hour day. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's, it's, well, that might be one of the reasons. What's that? I was going to say that might be one of the reasons for success. If it, oh. it doesn't feel like you're working 16 hour days, that's always good. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like that. But uh, a part of the reason that I, I maybe work, and it's not every day is 16 hours, but I, I can be terribly inefficient too. So I, I could probably button that up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I do see you post a lot on Facebook. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's another, honestly, I make a lot of great connections doing that. And I get a lot of people reaching out to me or interested in our market. So um, yeah, it, I, I, when I have a, a down minute or two, I jump on there and see if there's something that I think I can help somebody with. Yeah, you're good at always adding value to people on there. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate sure. that. All so right. Well, what book are you most influenced by? Oh, the the book. Um, I, I'm I'm going to give a couple of examples that hopefully aren't obvious. I know everybody says they love Rich Dad Poor Dad or the Four <laughs> or something like that. Yep. Um, there, there's one that I really like uh, by Gary Keller. The one thing. Um, it's a fair, fairly popular book, but I know a lot of investors and real estate people have never read it. Have you read that one, Corey? I have. I have. Okay. You read it, Michael? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's what I need to, it's a great listen book. to more often. It's a, it's a great book. And the entire book is about basically finding out how to spend every minute of your day, bringing the most value to your life as possible. And the, one of the things I love about this book even though it's it's about real estate and it's about business, a great deal of the book is focused on the fact that even though people want to be successful in those ways, you're doing it because you want to have the free time to actually enjoy the fruits of your labor. And so he talks a lot in the book about spending time focusing on the things that bring joy to you and to your family and making sure that you're carving out time for those so that you're not living your whole life being hyper-efficient at work and never actually enjoying yourself with the fruits of your labor. So I, I really like that book. It, it's it's one I go back to often whenever I kind of feel like I, I had a, an unproductive day or I'm drifting. There's a lot of great nuggets in there. So yeah, 
Uh, I go back to that one. And then there's another one uh, that I, I don't know anyone other than myself that's read it. And I recommend it to people fairly often, but uh, it's by this guy. I've read a couple of his books. His name is Dolph Deroos, D-E-R-O-O-S. And um, this one is, I, I might be mixing up the author now, but anyway, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's called 52 Houses in 52 Weeks. Hmm. And it's about this guy and his partner. I want to say it's Dolph Deroos, but I might be messed up. But these two guys that set a goal to buy a house a week for a year. And that was all they were going to do for the year. And the reason that I like this book was, wasn't because they, they had this big audacious goal or something like that, but it's that they detail the strategy they use to acquire every single house. And in every house, they use a different negotiation tech technique. They funded it differently. They brought somebody in to, to bring value in a different way. And there are a billion ideas for how to negotiate a deal in that book. Wow. It's, it's really a fascinating one. I'm surprised that more people haven't read it. And I, I all reason I read it is at my old day job, there was another guy there who was kind of a real estate nerd. And uh, he just had a pile of old books. And he used to bring, like, bring me one every couple of weeks and be like, read this one. And he just tossed it on my desk. And so I was like, all right. And I read it. And it, it was fantastic. So anyway, that, that's a really good one that a lot of people aren't aware of. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's yeah, a good one. Good. I, I might have a copy here for you, Michael. I'll look. All right. I'll <laughs> dig it. Go over that. And how about for our new listeners or new investors? You got one piece of advice? A little uh, nugget they could take with them? Yeah, well, I, I'm sure. I, I mean, the, I don't know that it's a nugget, but that I, I truly believe that anybody on earth can invest in real estate and do really Um <laughs> I think it's really just a matter of getting into a reasonable investment. And that doesn't mean something that cash flows $800 a month. It's something that you can live with for a year or two because over time, real estate's going to appreciate. There are going to be ups and downs. But if you hold on to something for 10 or 15 years, I can't imagine that it's going to be a loser. And if you buy something that is going to pay for itself for a year or two, and then you can start raising your rents, you're going to be fine. I think that a lot of people look at a deal on how it performs on day one. And if you're constantly looking at a deal on how it's going to perform on day one, then all these other people who have a much broader scope of vision and experience than you are going to be scooping up these decent deals all the way along the way that you're passing up. And I see that all the time that people overanalyze deals that are pretty good and it passes them by. Uh, so I, I I could go on for a while, but I, I would say just don't be afraid to jump in. If there's something that you can afford to buy and you can afford to hold on to it for a few years, it will treat you very well. It's, it's yeah. not a scary thing. Yeah, it's like you were saying earlier, every deal doesn't have to be a grand slam, but if you hit a lot of singles and doubles, you know, it's going to look like a grand slam five, 10 years from now. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I truly believe that those grand slams, you're, they're made and not in that way that people say you go in and beat somebody up before you acquire it or, yeah. or give them a hard time with their inspection. I mean, there's there's a time and a place for that, but those those grand slams are made through patience and diligence. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, how do people get a hold of you? Oh, I'm easy. I'm all over the place. But the easiest place is just to go to my website. It's boiseturnkey.com. BoiseTurnkey.com. Yeah. Awesome. Is there a contact info on all that and everything? 
Yeah, uh, the, you can go to that site and um, my phone number, my email obviously are on there, but there's a, on my bio, there's a link you can, anybody can click on the link and they get access to my calendar and they can schedule a call. You don't even have to, to email me, you can go on there and click a button and it drops right on my calendar and I will call you whenever you pick. Perfect, awesome. And is well, that Carl, the same for you... property management too? Um, not it's, exactly. Uh, our, our property management is a, it's structured a little bit differently, but anybody who has property management questions and not even if they want me or, or our company to manage their properties, um, I kind of look at, especially property management, I, I love sharing that stuff. Um, so we're, we're members of some different organizations. And so we get some stats on property management for the Valley that a lot of other people don't have access to that are, are provided by property managers. And so anyhow, um, our property management company is called Cohesion Properties. So it's, it's, a separate company from Boise Turnkey. Um, but if anybody goes to cohesionproperties.com, uh, they can reach out to us through there. But anybody could go to, to Boise Turnkey and reach out to me as well. And I, I'm happy to share rental stats for the Valley, give people free, terrible property management advice, whatever they want. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to share that stuff. I, I'm, I don't have any plans on getting rich as a property manager. We, we really just do that mostly for our clients as a value add because it makes things simple for the people that I work with. Yeah. So I don't have any problem sharing. If somebody wants to use the lease that we have, our, our attorney reviews it every year and updates it with Idaho law, I, I will freely give that away. I'll give away the stats. Um, if I can help somebody comp out their rental property, whatever they need, that's totally fine. It doesn't have to, to be anything that's going to come back in, in a contract for me. It's awesome. Well, it's again, Gorby, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's yeah, completely my pleasure. I, I appreciate you guys awesome. having me. Yeah, that was, that was really good stuff. All right. You're listening to the Grounded Investor Show.